Welcome to the No Shame on You podcast, where we talk to mental health professionals, educators, and advocates. No Shame on You is a 501c3 organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising awareness. Our goal is for people who need help to seek it, for family members and friends to know how to provide proper support and to save lives. Now, here's your host, No Shame on You's founder and president, Miriam Ament. Welcome to the podcast of No Shame on You, an organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising mental health awareness. My name is Miriam Ament, and I am the founder and executive director of No Shame on You. And today we are thrilled to be joined by Mimi Aaron. Hi, Mimi. So happy to have you here. Hi, Miriam. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. So let's start a little bit by talking about what your background is. Well, I'm a widow. I'm a mom, grandma. I'm a sister, an auntie, and a friend. Um, I'm a physical therapist, and I'm in my 47th year of practicing. Um, My main focus has been uh, typically geriatrics. Currently, I'm working for a nursing home and a home health agency part-time in Madison, Wisconsin. I was born and raised, I'm sorry, I was just raised. I was born in Seattle, Washington, but I was raised and educated in Ohio. And I'm a staunch Cleveland Indians, Cleveland Browns, and Ohio State Buckeyes fan. Oh, I am a conservative Jew. I go to temple when we're able to on a regular basis on Saturdays, and I keep a kosher home. Great. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, so you recently, and I didn't realize the Ohio, uh, all the, the sports, uh, that's good to know. I'll think of you whenever those teams are in the news. Um, you recently wrote a beautiful blog post for No Shame on You. Can you uh, please share with our listeners uh, the journey that you described there? Sure, sure. So um, the reason we connected was because I was interested in sharing my story. Um, my husband, Ted, uh, completed suicide on July 18th, 2020, this past uh, summer. Uh, Ted is a child of Holocaust survivors. Both his parents survived the Holocaust. His father lost his first family. Uh, during that time. So he he was born in Hungary and his family escaped to Austria during the Russian revolution. And he spent two years in a DP camp waiting for sponsorship to come to Ohio. So he came to the United States in 1956. Uh, Ted and I were married for approximately for 15 years. Uh, It was a second marriage for both of us. Um, about a month after he we got married, he was diagnosed with leukemia, which was one of those watch and wait situations. So it wasn't, it was a typical blood test and it just showed some abnormality. He didn't have any kind of symptoms. A few years later, he was also diagnosed with prostate cancer, which again was as a result of a just a typical blood test. Um, and he had no symptoms, but he had to undergo treatment. So he received radiation seeds. And um, his leukemia finally did um, go out of remission and he needed to have some chemotherapy. And then again, he went out of remission a second time where he was put on some medication to hold him in place. Um, He had some other medical issues related to sleep apnea and insomnia, which he was, I would call him a very sensitive kind of guy. So when he didn't get a good night's sleep, it was it was a problem for him. So um, the sleep apnea was resolved by using a CPAP, but the insomnia was always an issue, trying different medications, meditation, um, behavior modification. 
Right. Uh, but he did fairly well. Uh, as a matter of fact, he went back to school um, as a non-traditional student, graduated summa cum laude with a degree in uh, philosophy and religious studies. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he, um, he really enjoyed being at school. So um, about a, two years before COVID started, um, he had a sinus, a significant sinus infection, um, which um, created some more problems for him breathing. He's definitely a no, was definitely a nose breather and had a big problem converting to a, being a mouth breather. Um, he had to have a procedure done. And this situation just created so much anxiety because of the fact he was having trouble breathing. Mm -hmm. uh, even though the CPAP, you know, his pulse ox was fine. The CPAP was fine. Everything was fine but it really caused a lot of anxiety. And then COVID came. So this created the perfect storm for him uh, as a result of his anxiety and fear. Um, and on top of it, I was still working. I never lost a day because of COVID, um, being a home care physical therapist and going into these homes, not knowing what I was walking necessarily into because right. we were all learning about this disease at the same time. Right. Um, so that caused an extreme amount of stress. We had specific uh, patterns in order in, in the home. You know, our mail was held for three days. I stopped going to the store just so that he felt comfortable uh, not bringing anything extra into the house, any exposure. Um, so what I have learned since he passed away is that uh, people who complete suicide have no fear of death. And they want to eliminate the pain and the suffering that they're experiencing. And this describes Ted to a T. Um, he had no fear of death whatsoever. He felt uh, in good, um, good place with God. Uh, he, uh, he, he, um, he, but he was suffering. And he was a, a cycle of suffering. It was anxiety and suffering, which created more anxiety and suffering. He wasn't in a lot of physical pain. It was all emotional suffering. Um, the day he passed away, he said to me he was losing his faith in God, which was very unusual for him. He was always steady with that. Right. Um, he also asked, told me that he felt very alone. Um, and, and that day I asked him, I said, are you going to hurt yourself? And he said, no, he always said no. when anybody asked him, right. Um, but being a brutally honest person, you know, he lied to me because 10 minutes later he was gone. Um, and it, it was obviously very shocking. Right. Uh, uh, tough on so many levels. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I remember the events very clearly. Called 911. You know, the sheriff department came out immediately. They got him to the hospital. Apparently, he did have a bit of a blood pressure um, and heart rate. But by the time they got him to the hospital, he was gone. Um, they weren't very aggressive with him. Um, so I knew that. And he had um, not a DNR, but he he had papers in order that said he did not want any heroics in case anything should happen to him. Um, so I called his family immediately. I called my family. I called a couple of close girlfriends that insisted on meeting me at the house. I mean, I was at the hospital all by myself. It was very kind. There was a, a Jewish doctor who took care of, of Ted. And he said, don't worry, I'm, I'll be here until they, they come pick him up. 
Um, so I thought that was very thoughtful of him. Yeah, very sweet to feel, um, especially at that time. Right. Know. So then the process began. Um, I contacted the people I needed to contact. My sister was there within five, six hours. My daughter was on her way. Um, but his brother could not come because of COVID. His cousins wouldn't come because of COVID. Right. So the people that surrounded me were basically my family. Um, his son did come from North Carolina. Um, and his daughter lived in Cleveland. Um, and we were estranged from his daughter. So that was a very difficult um, phone call to make and a very difficult relationship to have to deal with. Right. So, uh, you know, when you deal with um, a death, certainly there's shock, there's anger, there's, there's shame, especially when it comes to suicide, sadness, love. Um, I had, but I just had the deepest, deepest heartache that I had never experienced before. Um, I, I would say that I had a love-hate relationship with Ted at that point because I was so angry with him uh, for doing this to himself, doing this to our family, doing this to me. Um, so it was just a, a bundle of emotion. Right, right. Which is totally understandable given right. uh, all that must have gone through your right. Okay. So this was, you know, at the height of COVID, and so the funeral and shiva was very, very limited. Um, I think twelve. There were twelve people at the funeral, and that was it. We did a Zoom service, right? Um, and then a shiva. We luckily, because the weather was okay, and I had a pretty big garage, we were able to do things outside, but I had people standing outside of the garage. They didn't, they didn't want to expose themselves. Right. Everybody was masked. Everybody was distant, no hugs, except a couple of times. I just had to succumb to giving somebody a hug. Right. Um, so it was very cold, very unfeeling experience. Um, and again, because I lived out in the country, I didn't want to put pressure on people to come and do a minion. So we just did the best we could because of this, the COVID. Right. Um, so in retrospect, again, shock was really taking very good friend, a very good care of me. It was my friend during this time. It helped me survive. I mean, certainly I was sad. I cried. But uh, the true grief that was on its way was not present at the time. Um, I was just sort of going through the paces my, because my family was there and available to help me. They, you know, just started um, taking care of business as far as cleaning out closets and just getting things in order to what I needed to, with lots of discussion as to what my plan should be. Um, we lived on a three acre piece of property and I knew immediately I was not going to be able to stay in this property, not because, um, because he died here, because I just couldn't manage it. You know, I, I couldn't mow the lawn. Right, right. Um, so, um, so I took a few, a few weeks off of work, did Zoom services so I could say Kaddish. Um, and I remember the fir first few weeks, I just, just sat there and just, I couldn't really participate in services. I just sat there and I had a list of things that I prayed about. I didn't follow the service necessarily. Um, but I started talking to people. I started talking to the rabbis. Oh, they're so uh, Gracie. Um, my family, my friends, um, I, you know, I talked about whatever I needed to talk about. Some of my friends said, can we share what happened? And I, I was at the point like, yes, you, you need to share. Right. Because they were afraid that I would be embarrassed. And um, because there is a stigma when it comes to suicide. Right. 
um, I had to ask the rabbi, you know, is he going to go to heaven? Can I bury him in the cemetery? And, and they said that they looked at his um, being as an ill, as an illness, like diabetes. It, right. You know, what he had was an illness. Right. So um, let's see what else. Um, so I came, went back to work a couple of weeks later, and but I had made the decision to move. And um, very quickly, things happened. I, within four months, I was able to sell my house, uh, start getting my license for, to practice physical therapy going, um, looking for jobs, um, and found a place to live. So it, it went very, very fast. Yeah, and a lot. again, I had some... Um, some thoughts, you know, because they say don't do anything for a year. Well, I did everything within four months that right. people right. say wait a year for. Right. Um, and that's what it sounds like that's what worked for you because it's been it, almost right. a year and you, you seem to be enjoying your your new home and, and zip code and all that good stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So and I also started in therapy on Zoom, which was very helpful. Um, I also found an organization called Cornerstone of Hope, which is in Cleveland, and they're just terrific. They do grief counseling at all different levels. I mean, if you're a woman who lost a child or a miscarriage or grandparents who lost a grandchild, everything is very specific. So they did have a group for survivors of suicide that was going to be starting very soon that I jumped at the opportunity to, to participate in. And what's been terrific is that this little core group of people, we've expanded and joined another group. We've studied together. We've talked once a week. It's really been very, very helpful. I'm the only one who's out of town, but, and they, they're so funny. They take a walk once a month. And, and one of the girls said, I'll put you on my phone and you can join us for our walk. And I'm oh, like, that's sweet. <laughs> so they're, they're trying to be extremely accommodating. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's a nightmare it, it, going through this, the process is absolutely a nightmare, but, um, you still, you, you continue on, you just have to continue on. And you've, it sounds like you've adapted to your new, like you said, you moved and you're adapting to your new, to Matt being in Madison and you right. got a new job recently from what I understand. Right. So moving has been a, a lesson in patience for me because I did a remodel before oh. I moved. So, and um, with COVID appliances were not coming the way we normally get appliances. So I had to wait a long time for appliances. I also, I had a 15 year old dachshund who passed away since oh. I came here. So, um, oh my gosh, I know she, she got me here, got me settled. And then a month after I arrived, I had to put her down because of bladder cancer. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. So, um, but I was very grateful that she was with me this whole time. Um, and then I, ha I had four months off here till I started working and as frustrating because my license was held being held up because of my fingerprints, um, as frustrating as it was, it was such a good time for me just to reflect and not have to go anywhere, especially because the weather was cold. Um, I got to study, I got to write, I got to go to classes and services, um, volunteering I started. And it was, it was a very therapeutic um, time for me. I, I hadn't had so much time off since, since never. 
You know, we <laughs> took a couple months off when the kids were born and uh, right, you know, my right. total knee. And then you're really to, working. You're really yeah, working. Yeah, I was right. back to work. Right. So, um, yeah, so now I'm fully vaccinated and um, I, I'm looking forward to attending religious services pretty soon. They're starting to open that up. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I get to see my grandson every day. He comes over to watch Jeopardy. Oh, fun. <laughs> That's and, so cool. Um, yeah, it is. You're enjoying all the different ho new hosts right now? Yes, very much, very right. much. And, and he keeps me informed as who's next and how much more time they have. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And we've, we've been starting to explore um, Madison. So going out to the gardens and I want to go kayaking. So, yes. Um, and then I got my new puppy. Um, right. Originally, I was going to wait. And then I just uh, told my daughter I really needed something to bring me joy. And I thought the puppy would. Uh, so we, I found a miniature poodle and I named her Gracie Joy uh, so that she would bring joy to my life, which she has. She's just a constant reminder how joyful life can be. She's just full oh. of energy and a ter terrific dog. Really, she's That's great. A terrific dog. Mm -hmm. That's great. It sounds like you do so much. Um, you're so good at, at seeing what you need and taking care of yourself by joining, you know, Cornerstone of Hope and, and doing all of these different things and, and participating in services and reaching out and being part of all these different initiatives and getting a puppy. Like, it's, it's really nice that you're good at Mm. Um, seeing what you need and then going for it and 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 taking that initiative because not everyone thank is able you. to do that. So, yeah, thank you. Thank My you. therapist tells me that too. He says that it doesn't take not a lot of grass grows under my feet. I just go for it and get it right. done. I think yeah. that's amazing. So um thank you so much for sharing your journey. It's not uh, an easy journey by any means, and it's certainly not easy to share. Um, and we're grateful because the impact you can have by sharing um, is, is tremendous. Um, I wanted to know what advice you would give to other survivors of suicide loss. I mean, you've shared so much, but are there, if there are a few top things you would say sure, with sure. the grief and everything else. Um, well, the first thing that I heard my brother said to me is that, um, this was not my fault. And he repeated that to me again and again, and I can still hear his words in my head. And it, it meant so much because at that time, I really needed to know that I was not responsible for this. Right. Um, I did not cause this. Um, also, I would let them know that this is a journey of a lifetime. This is, there's no end in sight. There, it's just a constant journey. Um, sometimes you, it's in your face and sometimes it's not, but it's something you just learn to live with. Right. Um, and, and that's okay. And understand that whatever you're feeling is normal. Um, well, a lot of people in our, my group would say, I felt like I was going crazy. And, it, and, and at times I was wondering too, these thoughts in my head, am I going crazy? But you're not, it's the grieving process. And when you understand what grief really feels like, then you get it. You, you really do. The other thing is, is that you grieve at your own pace. Everybody is different. No one's going to tell you how to grieve. You just have to go this on your own and find your own path. Um, I would also, um, I talked about anger and then understanding that anger is part of, of your grieving process. And, right. and it's okay. It's just right. okay to be angry at your loved one. It's okay to be angry at God. It's okay to be angry at anybody. Um, and then I would also recommend that um, if you are having any kind of problems, sleeping, eating, functioning, get to your doctor, get uh, and have a physical, 
because medication is very helpful for sleep um, and will also help you with sadness. And it doesn't mean that you're weak. It just means that you just need a little help right now. I would also strongly suggest getting a therapist because this is a situation nobody can do by themselves. You have, you need help. You need a good grief counselor to, for guidance. Um, and again, a, a lot of the people in my grief group that I attend said, I've never been to a therapist in my life. I never thought I'd have to, but they say it's so helpful for them. And this was their first experience. Oh, wow. And then I would say, lastly, if you have any kind of feelings that that you might be better off dead or not here, any kind of thoughts of suicide, you need to call the suicide hotline, call your family, call your friends, your clergy, your therapist, anybody to talk to. It's not unusual to have those thoughts and feelings, especially in the beginning, because your, your heart is hurting so badly. Right. Um, and you just, you don't want to deal with what you have to deal with. And it would be better off not to be here, but that's not the truth. Um, and certainly I will admit to having these thoughts. Um, and people ask me, are you ready? Are you planning on hurting yourself? And I would say no all the time. And then I would tell them, you know, my daughter would kill me if I did something to myself. So um, I know, and I've seen firsthand the grief and the pain and the sorrow that a suicide brings to a family. So today I'm choosing life and I choose to live with gratitude and I choose to live with grace and with joy. Like your, like your, like my dog, Gracie. And that's why she's named Gracie. Right. Right. Uh, Well, thank you. You're an inspiration. And I'm so glad I want to give a shout out to Ephraim Epstein who connected us. Yes. Um, from Eliza's journey. I'm so grateful that, that uh, he connected us and I've had the opportunity to get to know you because you're a very special person. Thank you. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for joining us. And I think you've given some very helpful guidance and tips um, and really impactful, powerful words for our listeners. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us today, Mimi. Thank you. And thank you for all the work that you do because it means so much to everybody. It truly does. Well, thank you. Thank you so much.